0: Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative and creative individuals who are shaping the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in ranch brokerage and land conservation, or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time up high in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, adventurers, pretty much anyone who's doing important work and has an interesting story to tell. My guest today is Justin Simoni. Justin is an ultra-endurance adventurer who is most well-known for his self-powered long-distance tours that combine cycling, mountain running, and climbing. He's currently preparing for the highest hundred, in which he'll climb Colorado's hundred highest peaks, accessing them all by bike in 60 days or less. If he pulls it off, and I'm betting that he will, it'll be the first time anyone has linked all of these peaks by bike in a completely self-supported style. If you assume that Justin has been a hardcore cyclist for most of his life, you'd be wrong. He studied painting in college and worked full-time as a professional artist for years, living in an art gallery in downtown Denver. Frustrated with a car that kept breaking down, Justin purchased a bike and began to ride it for his primary transportation. As his rides became longer and longer, he enjoyed it more and more, and pretty soon he was completely committed to long-distance cycling. What followed was a barrage of impressive solo ultra-distance adventures. Cycling the Pacific Coast, Racing the Tour Divide Mountain Bike Race Twice, and the Tour 14er, which involves cycling to all 58 of Colorado's 14,000-foot mountains and climbing them in just 34 days. Thanks to his athletic accomplishments, artistic perspective, hilarious sense of humor, and infectious enthusiasm, Justin is truly one of a kind. We had a fun and funny conversation that covered a wide range of topics, from his athletic achievements to his time as a professional artist. We chatted about some of the techniques that he uses to stay upbeat during periods of extreme fatigue or fear, and we discuss how he balances his freewheeling artist mentality with the monk-like discipline required to pull off such serious adventures. As usual, we discuss favorite books, films, and Justin shares the best piece of advice he's ever received. Thanks to Justin for taking the time to chat during such a hectic time of planning and training. This was a really fun conversation, so I hope you enjoy I meet somebody for the first time, never met them, and they say, what do you do? How do you answer that? Oh, gosh. That, that's such a loaded question.
1: It is. It's, it's it's not the career I want to tell people, because I don't think my career is very interesting or what I do for a job. But um, I, I usually go with um, a, this big wall climber, Andy Kirkpatrick's um, uh, answer, and he just he tells people He's like, I'm an assassin. And it's just kind of funny because it puts the person like way off their, their balance point. And it worked for him until he actually met an assassin and had to have a conversation and play it straight. It's like, you know, after a while, he's like, I'm not, I'm not really an <laughs> assassin. But he, I guess he just didn't want people to know that, he, you know, he made a living as a big wall climber.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. it, it kind of gives you an idea that might not be realistic of what your actual life is because your daily life's, your daily life is full of boring things. Um, when I was in school as a a painting major, my best friend and I would go to parties and again, it's like, Oh, you're an artist. So you don't tell people you're an artist. You go, Oh, I'm, I'm a plumber, you Uh know, um, just so they just don't think something of you, um, without actually knowing you. Sure. So I don't know what I, I just tell people I like riding bikes, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, as for my passions, if you ask me what my passions are, that's a much easier question to answer. So that would be an, another one of my go-to's. So, um, I like riding bikes for transportation. Um, I like uh, hiking and running up mountains, and I like rock climbing, basically.
0: So the way I came across you is through all that—through sure. your your in, ultra endurance climbing, biking—and the, the deeper I dug, the more I found. Like with anybody, but especially with with you, there's so many different cool layers. The more you dig down, sure. And so I. I was trying to think about the best way to structure the conversation that made sense. And so I think probably the best way to do it is tell me about your upcoming project, The Highest 100, and then we'll kind of dig down from there.
1: Okay. Okay. We'll figure out how where, where I am now and how I got there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the tour of The Highest 100 is a bikepacking tour around Colorado. It's going to take about two months. And the, uh, the objective is to visit... Uh the trailheads for the highest hundred peaks in Colorado. Um the list is called the Centennials. Mm-hmm. And uh get off the bike, leave the bike at the trailhead, and then basically summit the mountain by foot and then come back down and uh go to the next mountain.
0: Has anybody ever done that by bike before in one single
1: push? There there has been one gentleman that I can find in, in Colorado history that's done it. Um he did it uh with uh full support. So there was a a, a car following him. Yeah. And uh yeah, he did it in around I think 74 days or so. So it's really days. yeah, it was extremely uh, amazing. I thought it was really incredible. I was uh, it was just last year and I was kind of injured. So I was kind of on the sidelines going yay. <laughs> but yeah. I really I really just wanted to be out there with him and, and do it as well. So this will this will be the first time that's done in kind of a self-supported style. Mm-hmm. So instead of having um, a support car follow me, I'll just have everything I need with me. So, um, sleep system, food, um, all the clothing I need. Um, I'm my own navigational person, uh, things like that. So, if there's movement, I'm doing it. So, you roll
0: out a boulder on your bike, go and do it? Yep. And and what is the time? I know you have a time goal, correct? I've given myself the limit of 60 days. Um, it's just
1: an estimate it's 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 not even back of the envelope it just sounded good
0: uh-huh yeah <laughs> yeah gotta <start> <laughs> yeah.
1: math is not my my strong point I'm just like whatever 60 yeah but um the problem with doing anything in Colorado for long term is that we have just so uh, long of a summer mm-hmm. so you have to kind of hit a cutoff point or like it's you're basically going to get snowed on sure so um our our season is really i mean our, our season is really short until winter comes so uh, I, it's it, it's just a really good thing to have as um, inspiration like oh right. man i have to finish by september you know 14th
0: or whatever so. sure so for most people climbing all the 14ers driving in the trailhead doing it is a lifetime goal sure and so how did you get to the point where not only are you going to do the, you know, 58 14ers, we're going to do an additional sure. that, uh, you know, 42 on top of that. Sure. Um, how, how did you get at this point? Well, um, like most people in Colorado, like the, one of the
1: goals is to climb a 14er, if not 14ers. And I caught that bug uh, just like a lot of people do. Um, I don't own a car. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, again, I kind of was like, well, I'd like to do them all, yeah. like all 58. How will I do that? And um, went, you know, without buying a car because that seemed like a major investment just to go walking. Um, So, yeah, if, you know, it takes all day to do Long's Peak from Boulder or it takes two days. It's 40 miles there. Then you got to hike 13 miles. Then you got 40 mile hike bike ride back. You know, and that's the closest 14er. Sure. You know, so everything else is going to be multi-day to get there, do the climb, come back. So you're, you know, you do the math in your head and like, it will take me by bike if I do these in like day long trips or week long trips, years and years. Like sure. it's almost like two, it's, it's, it's infinitely long. It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't make sense unless I do it all in one trip. So I'm like, okay, how long is that going to take? <laughs> it's like, well, get out the map, you know, and like plan a route and be like, well, you know, and also do research and be like, who else has done this? How long did they take? So, um, yeah. And like the winter of 2014, that's kind of what I did. It's like, how realistic is this? Mm-hmm. Who's done it? How did they do it? How can I do
0: it? Yeah. So, yeah. So you, so. In 2015, I guess you did all of, you did all of the 58 by bike, correct?
1: In actually, in 2014, I did. 2014. So yeah, okay, in tw- 2014, I did the 14ers. So it's just a nice ring to it. God, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and
0: that took you what, like 34 days? It took me like 34 days and 12 hours. God, that's just yep. amazing. I mean, that's I, that's that's how I initially first heard about you on okay. the Ultimate Direction blog after, yep. after you had done that. Yeah. Um, and, and so. You had been riding bikes, obviously, leading up to that. I know you've done the Tour Divide before, which is an awesome mountain bike race. When did you really have you riding bikes your whole life or did you start?
1: No, no. Um, I mean, as a child, like many people, I rode bikes. Yep. And I mean, I was like one of these children that was like free, I was a free range child. Mm -hmm. So, like, my parents wouldn't see me until dinner time, yeah. and like you know, I'd come back with like a missing shoe or no shirt, and they would like kind of ask, but like they're like, "Well, you're alive, so whatever," and like, it's like they were cool with it. Um, so I would ride bikes like long distance just because it was fun, or like with my friends. But um, when I was growing up, I was really into skateboarding mm-hmm. and a little bit of rock climbing. Um, and when I moved to college, I mean, I just did college. And, and you, it was
0: where did where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in a a, a small town called Weathersfield, Connecticut. Okay. And I actually grew up in Old Weathersfield, so it, it felt like a uh, kind of a colonial museum. Sure. So sure. Um, I lived on Church Street. Oh, I lived of, on
0: Church Street as a yeah. kid.
1: <laughs> oh, it was totally a white picket fence, oh, picturesque. Sure. It was a, I mean, it was a great place for a, a young child to grow up in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was like the local pizza place, and there was the ice cream parlor, and the creepy cemetery, and mm-hmm. like the forested area, and the, you know, the community garden, so... It felt it felt like a very safe place to grow up, but um, when I got older, it just became a very boring place to live. So yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta probably get out of here.
0: So you yeah. set your sights on Boulder for college, is that right? Yeah, basically.
1: Um, in high school, uh, I would visit uh, my brother who lived in Breckenridge. Okay, he moved out here when I was twelve or so. So yeah. Um, and I kind of fell in love with the area, sure. yeah, because it's like really beautiful. And I can't think or of anything it. more contrasting to Connecticut than Colorado. Yeah, you know, Connecticut. Same thing. I'm from East yeah. North Carolina.
0: Exact same thing. Yeah. you know,
1: Connecticut's small. There's no national forest. There's no national parks. It's all built up. And then you come to Colorado, and you're like, "What's over there?" And you're like, "It's nothing. It's <laughs> a bunch of mountains." You're like, "What do you mean?" He's like, uh, "Just you have to walk into it." You're like, "Wow." So yeah, he had, he had his house was like on the. The, the base of buffalo mountain you know you look north there's just the gore range you know like that's that's kind of cool so we kind of hatched a plan how i could you know get into college right. and uh moved here and it was basically like do well in school and apply to all the state colleges so yeah
0: that was the plan basically um yeah so you came out and and so did you start riding bikes in college no. Or even farther after that <laughs> no man I, uh, no, I, I
1: skateboarded. <laughs> uh-huh. I was really into skateboarding and skateboarding advi- advi- advocacy. Yep. Um, wanting to get public skate parks into towns for kids, to, for something for kids to do. Yep. Um, where I grew up in Connecticut, there was just nothing for a teenage kid to do. So I skateboarded, but it was like something that was kind of uh, annoying for shop owners and stuff. Sure. So I'm like, how about give me a public skate park to play in? And it wasn't really into it until uh, skateboarding kind of blew up in popularity. Mm-hmm. So if I go back to my hometown now, there's a skate park. Oh, just, nice. It's just crazy. You know, Very I visited cool. one time. I was like, wow, there it is. <laughs> I, I, the little bit of me is like right in there. That's, <laughs>
0: cool. That's cool.
1: So um, yeah, I was just kind of into skating and um, you know just punk rock music and things like that. And uh, it wasn't until I moved. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not until I graduated college and moved basically right downtown Denver okay. that I started riding bikes. Um, I lived in an art gallery, maybe a block away from Coors Field, yep. so very congested, right in the middle of town. And I had a really shitty car, and it would just continually break down and get broken into. Uh-huh. And I got really sick of this because I bought it for like $800, and I already put like more than $800 into it. I'm like, this is a dumb situation. It's just a money pit. Why don't I just get a bicycle? Sure. Like I can ride to the store. Everything I want to do is within riding distance. Yeah. This is, let's do it. Save a ton of money. So that's what I did. And that's how I started riding bicycles as an adult. Got it. Um, yeah. And it kind of just blew, uh, blossomed from there. Um, I realized I like just riding bicycle bicycles as a kind of a hobby. Uh-huh. And uh, the longer I rode the bicycle, the happier I was.
0: Sure. Like it was an accomplishment.
1: Like oh, yeah. I remember the first time I rode from Denver to Boulder. It took like six and a half hours, you know, I was like, I did it. You know, I remember I got to like a, like a table Mesa and Broadway and I like sat down on a bench and I like instantly cramped up. Cause like my my body was just not ready for that. Yeah, and I had to take the bus home and like, I immediately got off the bus and ordered like a large pizza. Like, you know, the pizza place across the street. And I was just like, eat the whole thing. I was like, that was amazing. You know, couldn't walk for three days. But I was like, I gotta do that again. And yeah, it just kind of blew up from there. But within a year from that, um, I had put together, cobbled together a, a touring bike off parts from Craigslist, and I was flying to Canada and, uh, to start the Pacific Coast tour. So I started in Vancouver and just went south,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, basically following Highway 1 to um Tijuana. Wow. Yeah. Just went for it. That was a
0: year in pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah. It caught me pretty big. Well, I had all this money all of a sudden because oh, yeah. I <laughs> didn't have to I no, didn't have true. car payments or insurance payments. I didn't have to pay for gas. I wasn't, you know, replacing broken window windshields and like, you know, car radios and stuff. So I'm
0: like I should just take five weeks and like do this. What was the biggest surprise during that trip? That you weren't just something you weren't expecting. Oh, biggest surprise? Ah, oh, geez. I,
1: you know, I think when you're younger, like it's, it's really fun, especially I was living in the city and it was just really fun to live fast. Sure. You know, but like on a bicycle, especially a loaded down bicycle, you go really slow. Yes. So life is, is passing you by at 10 miles an hour if you're lucky. Okay. And like, maybe that was, it was just kind of a uh, enjoyable, just was a very enjoyable experience to be in that sort of mindset.
0: Yeah. I bet so.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I got into bike touring when I think about it, because it just seems like something you do, like, it seemed like an old person activity to me. Uh-huh. Like, oh yeah, so you get on a bike and you just pedal around the countryside, like, well, that's so lame. Like, let's <laughs> let's go out and party. <laughs> so I didn't understand why, but all of a sudden I felt, I realized like at 20 something, I was like old man already. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm into
0: this. This and so point. you got back from that. You've been bitten by the bug, obviously, and then <laughs> you heard about the Tour Divide. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. A couple. Can, can you me, explain that race first of all to folks who don't know about? Yeah,
1: it, um, it just started. This year's uh, version just started last Friday. Oh, nice. Right? And uh, it's a it's a mountain bike race. It starts in Banff, Alberta, and goes to um, the Mexican border, border like just outside of Silver City. Yep. And it's uh, it's nothing but gravel roads that kind of crisscross. Um, the Rocky Mountains and you go over the count of the vibe like 36
0: times or something Wow!
1: Um, and it's just a patchwork of country roads gravel roads a yep. little bit of four wheel drive tracks things like that
0: there's a great documentary I'll put a link to on the webpage sure. uh, I guess it's just called Tour Divide, maybe I think it's called Ride to the Vibe yes, yes. that's right and it's a great overview sure yeah. so so you signed up for that um, and what was your goal there of, of trying like, what, what was? did you have any idea how long it take you
1: Oh, no. I mean, I I wasn't riding mountain bikes. Sure. Like, uh, I, I learned from, I, I learned about the race from this guy named Fixie Dave Nice. And, uh, he worked at the local bike shop I started okay. going to. And at the time it was probably like the bike shop was as big as your living room. Uh-huh. Like a was smaller. Like, There's sure. 20 bikes fit in there. And the guy just comes up to me. He's like, hi, my name's Dave Nice. I race fixed geared mountain bikes cross country. And, like, I was there to get, like, a blinky light, and I was like, I don't really understand what that sentence means. I'm, I'm kind of blown away. That's the most, the kick, like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm, so I was like, but it kind of, like, stuck to me. I'm like, there's a race, there's a mountain bike race across the country, and this guy does it. I'm like, that's so cool. Uh-huh. So it, it was in the back of my mind when I was, like, touring on my road bike or whatever. So, yeah, one day I was like, I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, let's do it. If Dave can do it, I can try to do it. So
0: And did you do it on a fixed gear bike?
1: No, no, I um, I got like I had that thirty speed bike to start off with. Yeah, it was like my first mountain bike. You know, it's like first my first ever, my first new bike as an adult, and uh, yeah, that was like twenty. I want to say twenty eleven. Uh huh. And yeah, okay. I just uh, I trained my heart out for that one. Like I, I was on the trainer indoors, you know, like mm-hmm. actual training instead of just taking ridiculous bike rides that went nowhere. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and just towed the line for twenty eleven as my first mountain bike race. Like I'm here, we're doing this. I knew how to like you know s- survive across the country on a bike, so I'm sure. like, all right. This the, the only things different is one, this is off road. Two, it's on a mountain bike, uh-huh. and like three, like the gears paired down to the minimum.
0: Yep, yep. I'm like, eh, we'll do it. We'll see what happens. And how did it end up?
1: Well, it, <laughs> so by the first day, <laughs> so this was 2011, and for some reason, like the snowfall that year was just it was epic. You know, it was like one of like one in 500 year years of snowfall Uh so the course itself was um unrideable basically all the mountain passes were snowed in you couldn't ride them so the the organizers basically were like all right we have to do these major detours so instead of taking the mountain passes you have to take the highway go around the mountain i'm like i was thinking i'm like that's stupid (laughs) i'm like i signed up for the real deal you know the Uh real meal deal i'm like i'm doing it so I, like, brought snowshoes with me and poles, and I was like, if I can't ride it, I'm just going to walk it.
0: Did anybody um, else choose to do that?
1: No. <laughs> you were the only one? I was, is. like, in the last town, like, before the, the, the detours in, like, Sparwood, um, British Columbia, and I'm, like, I'm trying to rally in people. I'm like, let's just do one section, see what it's like. Come on, let's do this. It's going to be great, you know? And, like, you can see in the distance, like, snow at 6,000 uh-huh. feet. Like, everyone's like, no way. Are you you're – you're nuts. I'm like <laughs> – probably (laughs) correct (laughs) but like i i trained so much for this race like it's the first time i like took hours and hours and hours to train for something i'm like i this is what i signed up for i'm like i don't have anything i need to do i don't i don't have to go back for anything work's not waiting for me i work for myself i can get back to work whenever i want sure so like day number two i'm like you know in the middle of like you know the canadian wilderness (laughs) trudging up this Snow, the snowy pass, like, and there's nothing but me and like bear tracks. I'm like, all right, here we go. And no one can come in because like it's too, um, the snow, the snow was too soft to like cross country ski or take a snowmobile and definitely too deep for like a four wheel drive vehicle. So like it was just me, you know, I didn't see anybody out there. I was just like, oh, this is rad. You know, I just brought like three days worth of food and just like would go instead of 10 miles an hour, you know, I would go one, just like, you know, push the bike, take two steps. Push the bike, take two steps.
0: It was just beautiful out there. So, so what do you think attracts you to that? That, because obviously everybody who signs up for <laughs> that race is hardcore. I mean, that, yes. yeah, I I love doing all this endurance stuff, but that that is outside of my realm of, yeah. of what is you know, that, that's really hardcore stuff. And so, why do you think you're able to take it that one step further and you enjoy pushing it? At a, at a level it's, where even these other hardcore people don't
1: want do to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just perspective to me. Like, a hardcore race for me is the 100 meters. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no way am I ever going to toe the line for 100 meters. Like, like that's fast. Like, yeah. that sounds painful. That's just like the, the training for that was just ridiculous. Like, I that's who I sound like. You are hardcore, 100 meter. You know, it's like what I do is like it's enjoyable to me. Uh-huh. You know, just that that the length is is almost what's um, comfortable you know, like if someone wants to like challenge me to a race, I'll be like, okay, let's go to Montana. Yeah. yeah. You know, like any way you want, let's yeah. do it. And like people be like, that's, I'm not doing that. I'll be like, come on, it'll be fun. It'll take five days. Let's do it. You know,
0: do you think that, so, that positive attitude is part of why you're able to do it? I mean, obviously you, you, you do enjoy it, but <laughs> I would think, you know, some people seem to, in like the ultra world, you'll see people go into these events and they they love to talk about how painful it is and yeah. how it hurts and they go in this dark place. Where yeah. What I'm hearing you say is this is awesome. This is fun. And oh, yeah. I would guess physically you're probably feeling about the same thing as, as everybody else when you're pushing yourself hard, but you've got this positive outlook on it versus a, this sucks. This yeah. is so hard. You know what I mean?
1: I'm not going to like... Uh Alex Fanold is in in the news these days because he just soloed Al Capitan, which is incredible. And um there was a news story about how his brain was rewired in a way where he didn't feel fear mm-hmm. the same way that a normal person would. And I've always like kind of like identified with that as like I, it's not that I don't feel fear the same way. It's I don't feel um fatigue the same way, mm-hmm. perhaps. And it's just you know, I just, i I just expect it. Sure. Like, oh I'm a thousand miles into a cross country mountain bike race, I feel really tired. Yep. It's Like, well, that's to be expected. Like, obviously, <laughs> look what I just did. We're that's a that's a positive sign instead mm-hmm. of a negative sign. So yeah, I've never towed a line in a race where I'm like, God, I'm really tired. What's wrong with me? Or like, oh, this sucks. It's like, no, I mean this is this is what I signed up for. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, we're halfway through the race, or there's all right. I mean, I think the hardest part of a race is like six miles out where you're like, Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We can get through this, but it's like, ah, it's that last six miles. So I think there's definitely strategies I use.
0: What What are a few of those?
1: Um, trick yourself. Totally lie to yourself. So um, if, if say, I need to get to a town that's 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. I have no food. I have a little water. Yeah. Uh, you just go to yourself. You're like, all right, it's 20 miles away, brain, body. It's like, let's do it. Let's rally the troops. And then five miles later, you go, oh, you know, it's it's 20 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> And your brain just goes, you just told us it was it was 20 miles away five miles ago. Why why is it now 20? It's like, oh, I made a mistake. (laughs) you're like, all right. And just do that for 10 to five. And as soon as like you get to three, you can see the lights of the town. Uh And your body goes, look, dude, the town's right there. Be like, oh, you're right. We're almost there. And all of a sudden, that last three miles is nothing. You know, it's like, oh, we're basically there. So, yeah, kind of trick yourself like – Kind of like uh, there's a, it's probably a wives tale at this point, but Columbus used to do that when he was like going across the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Because his his, his people on his boat were like, we're not into this. We don't want to do this. Yeah. And he would just, he would um, say that their mileage is way less than it was. So they didn't know they were as far away from their home port kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So when they got there, there, he's like, oh, just made a mistake. Look, we're like way far out. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so, yeah. Are, are just, there any others
0: you have? I, I'm really always interested. Of in that. strategies, yeah, strategies. If, if things ever start to prevent things from going downhill,
1: in your oh life. yeah. Like you know, the only time I've ever stopped, um, in in sort of like an ultra distance thing is when I was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I like one of the the local little challenges is like the Skyline Traverse. Yes. We do the five local peaks, and I I started the first one like Sanitas, and like you you feel like you're like I don't know if I'm feeling really good you like, give it five minutes. Maybe you're just, it's a little jitters from just starting off. Cause it's, it's a little like, you gotta go way, you know, it's 20 miles, whatever.
0: Sure.
1: But like at the end of the you're like, I really don't feel good. And it's like, you know what? I'm sick. This is why I don't feel good. But like, I don't know, give yourself time to be like, is the feeling I have a malady or is it just nerves you know, or am I injured or something like that? So if it's not injured or, or, or sickness, like keep going, sure. yeah, you're not going to feel worse. Or I mean, the, the you're not odds, always gonna the worse. odds. Yeah, the yeah. odds are you're going to feel worse, but it's not going to be that bad. Um, or just anticipating something really great, like I anticipate the summit or a pass, the top of a pass, or the downhill, or even the climb. So each each little part, like it's it's something to look forward to. Sure, because they're just different um, uh, sensations. Yep, and you know variety is really nice. So you're like, all right, I get to. Like a climb can be like, all right, I get to just walk this or power hike this, sure. or the the run down. You're like, all right, I can just like let loose. This nice. is gonna be great. I love this part. So
0: one of the things that I find really impressive about what you do is that it's all stuff that's created by you. Like you did the Tour Divide. That that was an event, but sure. you did it your way within that event. When they made it easier. You said no. Yeah, to do yeah, it the other way. And then a lot of the other like the the tour of the 14ers yeah. a few years ago, that was invented by sure. you. This upcoming highest hundreds invented by you. Um, and then that that reminds me of one that I saw that you recently did when you eversted green. Sure. Can you explain that? I thought that was super cool.
1: Oh sure. So I wanted um, a birthday challenge to um, mark my you know descent into old age. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I had twenty bucks or something. I was like, what can I do for twenty bucks? Like, I'm like, I can't really take a plane trip to something. I can't go to like, you know, McKinley right this or Denali right the second or like, you know, do some sort of crazy volcano in the north northwest. I'm like, ah, why don't I just stay in town? <laughs> I'm like, all right, what can I do in Green Mountain? That's kind of wild. I'm like, ah, you know, like the Everest season was kind of starting up where you hear news on all the teams, you know, doing their Everest push. I'm like, all right. That that could be cool. I'm like, how many times do I have to go up and down Green Mountain to match the elevation gain of how high Everest is? So it's twenty nine thousand twenty nine feet, and like Green Mountain's like something like the summit from the the trailhead is something like twenty three hundred. Uh-huh. So I'm like, all right, well that's thirteen times. I'm like, God, that's a lot of times. I'm like, can I do it? I'm like, well, if I give myself a couple of days, sure, why not? It's I mean, it's just you just have to put in the miles. I'm like. Well, let's do it. Let's, let's find out. So, um, it was kind of a spur of the moment. I was just kind of feeling bad for myself or sorry for myself on a Sunday because I had, like was going to do something cool that weekend, but I decided not to for whatever reason. Like the snow packs wasn't good or whatever. And I was like, all right, all right, Tuesday, we're out. We're going to do it. So, you know, a couple more rest days. And I just, uh, I, 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 I wrote a quick email to the local trail running group. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm doing, yeah. please join along. It'd be great to see you. Leave some baked goods. I love pastry, basically. <laughs> and yeah, I like got up at four and by five I was on the on the on the trail.
0: And you so know, how long did it end up taking you?
1: About twenty-six hours. Wow. So again, I'm really bad at estimating what it takes for my time, but I just didn't know. You know, I could do a I can do a lap of green in less than an hour. Really? Yeah. But, um, I'm like, what about 13? Cause you're going to slow down yeah. after that first one, oh, sure, you know? Sure. And I'm like, all right, well, I know enough that, like, if you want to go the distance, you have to do, you know, that all day pace, which is, you know, not destroying your knees, basically. So I'm like, all right, maybe like an hour and a half, two per lap. I'm like, that sounds a little bit more, you know, what I do in wintertime at night when there's a bunch of snow on. And uh-huh. I just, I just want to get some elevation in my legs. So yeah, I was like, all right, let's do it. So, yeah. it was really fun. It was it was a lot of um, surprises happening. In that one, I did I was really sure I was just going to get really bored. Really, because it's it's an out and back. So you see this. I was going to see the same trail. Were you going up
0: amphitheater, Green Man, and then down the same way? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. So it's the same trail thir- uh, twenty six
1: times, right? Oh, yeah. And I was just like, this is going to be torture. Like, there's just not enough visual input. I'm just going to say the same thing. and Just be like, I I want to. I just kill myself. This is crazy. <laughs> what am I doing? But it, 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 the, the big surprise is that never happened. Really? I was so excited to be like, there's that rock again. It's got that green thing on it. Like, you know, there's that tree that's all wacky, you know? I was like, all right. You know, the final switchbacks. You're like, I can't wait.
0: There I is can't wait to see the summit block again. There's something about getting to know a place that well. I've yeah. found that with green. I mean, obviously, I've never done it that many times in a row, but that's kind of my go to mountain. Sure. And it, there's just something neat about when you're hiking up the trail and you say, I can't step on that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's loose. gonna it move. It bounces, but this <laughs> one is solid. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think it's a really neat, yeah. uh, neat deal to know yeah.
1: something that it's way. a. It's I, there's total the cult of Green Mountain for sure, and everyone knows these little things. Yeah. Like I was, uh, I was uh, doing a lap with my buddy Eli, and he's like, "I've got a name for this area." I'm like, "What is it?" He's like, "It's the trees." He's <laughs> like, "I know that's weird because it's all forested, but this is to me the trees." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool because I call it something different." He's like, "What do you call?" I'm like. <laughs> I call it Saddle Rock because, like, I don't know if this is where Saddle Rock is, but it's where I think it is. So there's that little inflection. And, like, you know, when you're, like, going for a sub hour on Green Mountain, you kind of use those as little um, um, check marks so you can check your time. When you do sub
0: hour there, how long does it take you to get to the top? Um
1: or like thirty seven minutes, God, that's fast, and then you just plow down, so you go up amphi through amphi green and then you go down us uh, uh ranger um Gregory, that's yeah. how I do it yeah, first yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah I mean, if you go down back, it's a lot shorter, but yeah,
0: that's really fast,
1: yeah, it's pretty fast, yeah f-
0: I'm not <laughs> even close to that, and i I do it a lot it's that's not
1: hard. it's not like sage. Kennedy faster, um, Anton faster or anything, but it's fast for me. No, that's fast.
0: There's no way around it. I mean, I do that thing a lot. I'm not even close. So like if
1: I'm, if I'm getting to a race and I want to like check my fitness, I'll just like do that. And if I can get sub hour, I feel really great about myself, you know? So
0: <laughs> the way you invent, the way you invent these challenges, yeah, you should feel good <laughs> about that that's that's no joke uh, the way you invent these challenges for yourself and follow through have you always been like that ever since you were a kid because I know you're a very talented artist which I want to talk about sure I mean would you do similar things for for art like I'm gonna yeah I mean create for this many hours a day or sure
1: whatever. so in in art there's a like if you're putting together a solo show so you have to have multiple pieces mm-hmm. it's a it's a year long project let's say um, you, what. Part of that is writing an artist statement. Saying, This is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. And then you fall through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, all these projects are just art projects for me. It's it's framed the same way in my mind.
0: That's what I was gonna ask, if yeah. there if there's some parallel between the way you your artist mindset and this athletic mindset, because they both seem to be extremely creative. Sure, sure. Um, and then another kind of follow-up question I was thinking about is a lot of people think of artists as being kind of free flow all over the place, you know, do strike when then, you know, when inspired, but I've talked to a lot of artists actually on this podcast and a lot of them are very, very disciplined in their practice. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like you were that way with art and you're very disciplined with your training for this. So how do you balance those two kind of the artist um, kind of free flow mentality with the hardcore discipline it takes oh, to sure. be good?
1: I think like art, uh, like, <sighs> Even in like a creative um, pursuit, there there has to be, there's homework, there's footwork being done. So it's all the boring stuff you'd never see, right? You just see the crazy stuff on the walls, you see the crazy installation, you see this like bubbly personality that's off the wall kind of thing, but you don't see, yeah, you know, the footwork, mm-hmm. like, you know, doing the work, staying up all night for multiple nights in a row kind of thing, so... There's homework for anything. So, I mean, right now I'm just doing all the homework on the map. you like, how am I going to get across the state and do yeah. all these things? But um, people won't see that. They won't see me, you know, three in the morning, with my Google Maps on, trying to like see what the most optimized route is. They'll just see like – they'll see on Instagram this grinning, bearded, <laughs> extremely dirty dude on a bike just like like I am living life kind of thing. So, um, yeah, this one, I don't
0: know. Um yeah, I, don't know. I guess the discipline. It's all. It comes back to that. What we were talking about about when you're tired, do you say, "Oh, yeah. it sucks," or is this fun? And you know, the the part of the training and the hard di- the discipline. Yeah. You can look at it as this is a pain in the ass. I don't like it, or you can look at it as this is awesome and it's sure. allowing me to accomplish these goals.
1: Yeah, like I think in school, like uh, my best friend's school, like we 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 did our fair share of. Um, Partying, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're like a painting major. So it's like, if you're not drinking heavily constantly, (laughs) you're not really doing it right. But like, I was, I was, I was always impressed that like, I would come to school on a Saturday, you know, after, after regular hours and he'd, he'd already be there. Really? He'd probably be drunk, but he'd be painting. Yeah. And he had the discipline to, to stick with it. Um, and at least, you know, I was like, man, if I want to succeed in this career too, or this, uh, this at least major, I have to be as disciplined. So it doesn't matter what's kind of in your way. You have to continue to do it. Sure. So like, I don't know, it's kind of like the, is it Malcolm Gladwell, the, the mythical 10th hours, 10,000 hours? Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting idea and I, there's some validity into it, but like you have to put the, put the time in. You know, I didn't magically wake up and you know, like, well, you know what, I'm going to do a couple 14ers today. It's like, well, I'm going to ride a bike for years on end and work up from like a month tour to two month tour to like.
0: Well, that's what like, I think people know. would be tempted when they hear, oh, this guy didn't start riding bikes until his mid to late 20s. You know, he's, he's just extremely gifted. But oh, they don't understand yeah. that you're cranking out, I mean, what, 20, 30 hours a week yeah your, yeah it, your it, ass off.
1: it comes up to around three hours a week, and no, I do not know where I find the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> living simply you know i don't I, I don't have that much, so I just enjoy just being out there and doing it that's that's kind of my possessions or my my memories kind of thing. How
0: much is art a part of your life now
1: um you know other than framing like these kinds of projects as art projects, it's a little minimal uh-huh. um my biggest artistic or creative outlet was It's going to be writing afterwards. Really? Yeah. Like um, sometimes I think I do these projects just so I have a narrative to share Mm -hmm. afterwards. Like hopefully I'll be successful this summer and then I'll be able to share my experiences. Yes. Um, If it's uh, uh, during a presentation or writing a book or just a blog post, something, hopefully all of them. Um, But afterwards, I'd like to probably, you know, kind of on my quote unquote off season, take a little break. And get back into drawing, get back into making music,
0: uh, things like that. So so whenever I do one of these, you know, whether it's a, a one-day race or a multi-week trip, when I come back, I always feel like I'm a little bit different than yeah. I was when I left. Sure. How – could you have any examples of that? How, how you feel like you're – I mean, in the big picture, how are you different now than you were when you did that first bike ride to Boulder? Oh, sure. Years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's – These big projects are, it's mostly culture shock. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, like I can have anything I want at any time I want. This is, this is nuts. I've been living in a bag on the dirt for, for two months. Like, this is crazy. Um, but I think it's just, uh, you know, you slow down, you appreciate what's around you. Mm -hmm. You look forward to simple things like eating and sleeping. And, um, yeah. So when you, when you come back, uh, you're not in constant movement. Yep. And it takes your body a little time to adjust and that can be kind of difficult. Um, sometimes I have in huge anxiety dreams really? after I come back because um, I don't have anxiety during the trip, but it, it might come back in a strange way. Like I forgot a mountain or something. I have to come <laughs> back and I have to get up right now and do it and it's just. Just all those like little fears I've been suppressing that come out in strange and weird ways. But I'm like, I'm not scared of having, say, an anxiety attack because I, I can, I have enough distance from the attack that I realize why I'm having it. It's yeah. just my brain kind of hiccuping. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I can enjoy, I can enjoy having an anxiety attack. basically. <laughs> it's like, all right. So, I mean, I think personally, I think uh, riding bikes slowly across the countries for anxiety is it's a great cure. You know, because you, you kind of simplify your life to the bare minimum of just moving at your own pace, doing whatever you want. So it removes a lot of the, the anxiety we have in kind of our daily lives. Yeah. I
0: think that's-, yeah. I think that's Personally, okay. it's worth wonders,
1: you know. Really?
0: Yeah. I think just that, I think that physical exertion, there's just a lot to it. You know, I think it's, if they could, I read somewhere, somebody said, if you could put all the benefits of, of exercise into a pill, yeah. it would just be, it would sell like, you know, it'd be sure. Highly selling uh, medicine ever.
1: Well, it's it's funny. Like uh, right now, what's really big? Fidget spinners. Oh, yeah. Know, those and just, things. And just like moving something. I was like, I have a fidget spinner. It's called bicycle wheels. And <laughs> I just, I, I crank pedals and they go and I like watching them, you know. So it's like, why don't you, I mean, yeah, take a run. It's, the, it's probably a little bit better than yeah.
0: just fidgeting a spinner. Um, do you have any mentors or heroes, and it could be athletic, artistic, oh, sure. just people that, that you admire, and they could be alive or dead, you could have met them or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I lived in Denver when I was kind of formulating the 14er project, and like, I kind of knew I should probably move the boulder. Um, just because it's kind of a – it's it's where the crossroads of cycling, running, or trail running, and climbing kind of meet, mm-hmm. you know? And I just knew all these like kind of mythical – um, people that live there like your, like Bill and Roger Briggs mm-hmm. Bill Briggs is a huge one I, I met the guy like once maybe in Chautauqua he was right you know. tell people who
0: he is for people who don't
1: know oh gosh Bill Briggs is just a local hard man um, he and his brother Roger just would put up lines on Longspeak Roger, Roger Briggs has climbed Longspeak I think a hundred times or I'm sorry the diamond of Longspeak um, a hundred times just a kind of a, a rock climbing innovator um, putting up lines and stuff. Uh, Bill, it's kind of crazy. Bill is one of the first people I can, I can find that would ride his bike to the trailheads locally yeah. and climb the mountains. I think one of his life goals was to do every single mountain in Boulder County that way. Wow. So like, yeah, I'm like, whoa, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a relief when you find someone with a similar passion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and like Bill was it. I was like, wow, it's so rad, you know. And I'll see him randomly like just like frolicking down Long's Peak. I'm like, hey, dude, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing great, you know. Couldn't be happier. I can't even say like – I can't even stop him because he just wants to keep going. So I, I, I've i read these stories or Bill Wright, who's also just this local legend, you know, total family man, but like, he'll just
0: get at it. I read his blog. Yeah. I've never yeah. met him, but he just seems like such an interesting guy. Yeah. He'll do things
1: like, he's like, well, one day I'm just, I'm going to just like this weekend, this Labor Day weekend, I'm just going to link up all the classic flat iron formations. Like there's like 142 or whatever. I'm just going to do them. And he'll play down his abilities so hard. He's like, ah, I'm just a guy. I'm just a slob. And you like... It's like, no, like you have decades of experience. You can climb hard. I think right now he's, he's climbing El Capitan with his 19-year-old kid. You know, really? like, yeah, just like, oh, we're just a family vacation. He <laughs> wanted to do it. You know, like last year they did Denali. You know, like six months before that, like his uh, his son had never climbed a mountain kind of thing. So, really? yeah, it's just crazy. So it's like it's it's this drive his uh, the Wright family has, I think. Plus, I like, mean, like, Boulder was the home of, like, or is the home of, like, people like Anton Kropitschka and Joe Grant. And, like, oh, yeah, I totally looked up to those guys. I'm like, wow, like, these, these guys are going. Yep. These guys are doing stuff. So, I'm like, you know, if I train on Green Mountain, what will happen? You know, it's like, well, the same thing. <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's kind of like when I was, like kind of like aura places where like you just kind of get sucked in you're like trailhead is 10 minutes away from my house by bike i'm like i'm there you know like this is where i'm gonna spend my time
0: it is a special place yeah um so you you've made an effort to put yourself out there on social media to kind of share these adventures with people okay um and what what is the kind of over is there a goal of that i mean obviously I think there's the goal of inspiring people to go out and try new things and, sure. and push their limits. Is there anything else that's less less obvious that I, I'm missing there? Oh, just, I mean, I'm just having a lot
1: of fun. And yeah. like, you know, like when you have fun, it's, you want to share it. You're like, look what happened, you know? Um, but I would love for people to kind of experiment with themselves with self-powered transportation. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like it's, I kind of feel like I'm a part of a circus freak show when I do these like you know, the centennial project, the highest hundred project. Cause it's like two months on a bike and doing all these mountains. Like, like it just seems a little otherworldly for most people. But like, if someone's like, wow, that's really cool. You know what? I'm going to go on my bike and ride to the liquor store and buy that <laughs> six pack instead of driving the mile. Like, cause Justin was out there, you know, he's on, you know, he's on Capitol peak right now. I was like, this one, this bud's for you, Justin. Uh, that'd be rad. I would, uh, you know, my, my underlying, um, message is bikes are really fun. It and shows. Ride them. <laughs> it shows in all your
0: social media because it, it comes through the the genuine um, excitement and happiness you have. Out sure, I mean I it mean, really does.
1: Yeah, they're just smile machines for me. Um, they they don't solve all my all my life problems, but they solve many of them. Yeah, so.
0: it, they're a, a good tool <laughs> for that. Um, well, there, I could keep asking questions all day, but I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I've got a few questions that I've asked pretty much everybody I've sure. had on the podcast. And so I'd love to hear your answers. It's been interesting to compare and contrast. Sure. Um, are there any favorite books you have um, that they could be related to the American West or adventure or really art, you know, any, any books that have been important to you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to the American West, I think... Edward Abbey is such a um, approachable figure. Like he's funny, yeah. you know. He's sort of a, a rebel. So, like, if you want to learn about maybe uh, conservation in the American West, like, pick up Desert Solitaire um, or like Monkey Wrench Gang, <laughs> which isn't the best written book, but it's pretty funny in, in parts. It is. Um, I remember like we were we were, we we're driving across the country in this beat up van, all spray painted. My friends from Connecticut just randomly came to Boulder. And we're like, we're reading we the Monkey Wrench gang, or decide to like visit Las Vegas. We're like, oh, there's a big dam. Like, yeah, you know, this is right after 9-11, too. So we're like, let's drive this crazy punk rocked out band across Hoover Dam with the Monkey Wrench gang, like prominently shown in the front, you know, seat. I'm like, ah, we're gonna get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are both those are both really good. Probably, good yeah.
0: Um, I've read or I recently read a um, double biography of Abby. Edward Abbey and Wallace Stegner. It's called All the Wild That Remains. Oh, wow. It's kind of compares yeah. and contrasts the two guys. It's really good. You might like it. It's really good. I'll check oh, it out. Okay. Um, do you have any favorite documentaries? God. Uh, or films, just regular yeah,
1: films. Yeah, one of my favorite films, and kind of like a inspiration is this this movie. It's it's, it's a crazy, surrealist, psychedelic movie called The Holy Mountain mm-hmm. by Jodorowsky. And like you can watch the trailer and be like, I'm that's I'm freaked out. That's too much. What's but, it about? I've never I've never seen it. Um, man, how do we even explain it? Um, Jodorowsky's done a couple films. He has another great film called El Topo, which is kind of like an anti-western. But um, The Holy Mountain is about um, basically these people who have denied their um, consumerist lives and are looking for um, transcendence. So they follow this white, you know, this holy man to. The holy mountain
0: cool so
1: they give up everything they give up their identity and then they go for it but like it's that's just a framework right like it's just the visuals are just out of control i mean it was it was it was filmed in 1973 and still like that's crazy that's that's some nuts stuff so
0: cool i'll check that out i've never never heard of that yeah that's exactly why i asked
1: yeah again my best friend in college i guess he's been a big influence on me we're totally different people now it's really strange
0: is he still an artist yeah yeah yeah
1: Nice. He makes enormous um, portraits, Does like he really? wall-sized portraits. But um, he used to work at a local record store named called Black and Red. Mm-hmm. So he'd get all these interesting records and movies and stuff. And he just had got this bootleg of The Holy Mountain. It wasn't released in any other way at that time. Right now I, th- I think you can Netflix it if not oh, just really? the DVD but it was like hard to find so you get it and you're like it's already this like magical possession you're like let's watch it <laughs> you know and you're like this is messed up
0: you know like, it's just a crazy movie I'll check that out yeah um, are there any activities that you enjoy that would be surprising to people oh gosh um you man you kind of cover the full spectrum with from art I know, I know,
1: I know. I'm kind of. I have a lot of uh, little fingers in a lot of different little um, pots, for sure. Um, Yeah, I think once I slow down from this and give my body a break, I'm really looking forward to um, uh, learning some taiko drumming. What is that? Taiko drumming is it's basically Japanese martial art drumming. So it's very um, theatrical. The drums are like these huge, huge bass like things made of beautiful hardwood. And just the drum head itself is just this thick slab of, like, deer hide, basically.
0: I think I've seen that on TV. Yeah. It's like a performance. Yeah. I mean, it's choreographed. And yeah. That kind of yeah.
1: Huge sticks and they yell a lot. And, you know, um, I've, I've, I've had a little bit of um, uh, direct. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I dabbled in it, basically. And I nice. really love to, like, just learn how to do it. Yeah, I read – I, I found
0: an article about you online and there was a quote in there and you said something like you you don't uh, – you're not at all scared of being bad at something. Oh, you yeah. You like trying new stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a great attitude to, yeah. to be a beginner. Yeah,
1: beginner's mind. Yeah. So that's another way – I mean if you're looking for strategies mm-hmm. on how to keep going in like 100 miles, just be like, well, I wonder what's under the next crest, you know? Like well, how do you do this, you know? Curiosity. It's just one foot in front of the other. Like you – it's like teaching a, a kid to – to be an artist. It's like, you don't have to teach. They're just an artist, right? Sure. It's the same thing as running. Like you, if you ask a kid to run towards you, they'll just run, you know, they're not worried about their form or their breathing or like whatever. They'll just run towards you,
0: you know? Yeah, that's, that's true. So, um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, geez. Best advice. Um,
1: ah, man, there's best advice. Um, One of, one of my, my artist influences is, uh, John Cage. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a, he is a, basically a postmodern composer. Okay. So, um, one of his most famous pieces is, um, it's just a piece of silence. And I'm going to get the title wrong, but I think it's called like three minutes and 44 seconds. And it's, it like, he'll have, he'll be at the piano. He'll be ready to play. There might be like an orchestra with him and he'll just sit there for three minutes and, you know, 44 seconds. And the idea is it's the, It's everything you hear that's not the orchestra or the anyone playing. It's the fidgeting in the seats. It's the people coughing, and that's what's makes the piece interesting. It's those little random acts that are happening. Mm -hmm. Like you'll have another piece where it's just a a couple, like a dozen people with radios, and they're just tuning into different stations. So, like you can you can compose that's the composition, but every time you quote unquote play it, right, it comes out differently. So his, one of his quotes was just start anywhere.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And
1: like, you know, like, because people ask me, like, how did, where do you begin on this? Where do you start? Like, how do you even get into this? It's like, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you start playing the violins? Just get one. Just make a lot of freaking noise. (laughs) Someone's going to be like, stop that. Look, I'll give you that. I'll show you how to, you know. Uh Uh-huh. You
0: know, I think so. that's great advice. No matter what, no matter yeah. what you're doing, sports, yeah. business, art, just sure, like, start.
1: Yeah. No one told like I, I run a business, I guess, but no one told me how to. I just, I was like, I just lost my job. Now I'm going to do it myself. Let's do it. Kind of thing. Uh, maybe another piece of advice or not advice, but kind of a perspective when it comes to kind of like bikepacking or lightweight fast packing or backpacking is that you, um, you pack your fears. So if you, if you, you know, kind of organizing your gear, you have to look at it and be like, do I need this? Or is it like a security blanket? Can I go without it? What would happen if I go without it? Am I going to be okay? And you might say, you know, no, I'll be fine without this. I just, I just like having it. So get rid of it. The simple, simple, the simpler you can make your um, kit, the better,
0: basically. Yep. Yep. That's great advice. Less is more. Yeah. It, it, you, you see so many people just at Chautauqua or, or on 14ers, sure. just decked out with so much gear. Looks like they're going up Denali or something. Yeah. And you just think, you know, you want people to be safe, but you just think they're, they're, the experience would be a lot richer and more enjoyable if they weren't carrying all that stuff.
1: Sure. I mean, for me, speed is safety. Yeah. Like if I see angry clouds coming in and they're going to be on top of me in 10 minutes, I can fly. I, I'm a mile down by that point. Sure. Um, some people – most people can't do that. But yeah, for me, speed is safety. So that means bringing as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not saying don't bring the 10 essentials if you're just getting started. But like you don't have to bring a full uh, tent setup, you know. Like yeah. Yeah. What would you see on Albert, you're just like, what? What's what's going on, man? <laughs> no, I'll see that on, on Greys and
0: Tories, yeah. and you'll see. You know, I'll be in shorts and a t-shirt, and you see people in down coats. Yeah, and it's just kind of yeah. like, and th- you know, they go to REI and they get sold all this sure. stuff, and they think that's what you're supposed to be doing. Sure. But the reality is, it's the the more I think, the more experience you get, the more you can break exactly. down, and the more exactly. fun it is. Yeah. At least that's my experience.
1: Yeah, and there's not many shortcuts. Through experience, you have oh, to true. you have to make a lot of mistakes. That is true. Exactly. That's very true. To be like, well, you know what? I don't need this. I can probably go without this. Or like, that's what bad weather looks like. So, I don't really. I mean, I get into little pickles myself from time to time. But I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I am. I know I'm in a pickle, and I know what to do about it. Like, sure. Or you know, or I guess another piece of advice would be like, it, it doesn't help to become scared. So if you're that's in cool. a pickle, like, don't freak out. Yeah. Like assess the situation, take a step back, understand what's going on, make a, make a, a plan.
0: Have you ever meditated? Are you a meditator?
1: Oh, I mean, walking meditation. Run. I mean, I think running is my meditation. Time, you seem sure. to,
0: the way you talk about your brain operating and you're able to kind of step back and see the whole picture. Sure. From a, almost like a third party perspective. It's as if you're a meditation master. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you well, don't need to meditate. Oh well, yeah. You're I already mean, there.
1: it's, it's, I mean, doing something like the Everesting of Green Mountain is, is just an act of self-transcendence. It is. For sure. Um, I think, like, when it comes to documentaries, there's a, a documentary called uh, The Marathon Monks of Mount Hey or I've something. I've of those
0: guys, but I didn't know there was a documentary
1: about it. Oh, yeah. So, these guys are incredible. So, the idea is um, you have to run basically a 1,000 marathons mm-hmm. in three years. And if you do, you gain enlightenment. By all these, you know, woo things. But it's just kind of a crazy idea because that's like, all right, that's that's basically circumnavigating the world.
0: Is it true that if you don't, <laughs> they, they commit oh, yeah. suicide? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It,
1: or you have to, like, if you if you decide to start, you must finish. Or, yeah, it's death, basically. <laughs> so, you're all in. Like, that's some major, like, talk about, like, I don't know if I'm going to do this 100-miler. It's like, <laughs> no, just think of the marathon months. They're in it for life. I'm going to keep
0: that in mind this weekend. Yeah. But, yeah,
1: no guts, no glory, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's motivation. Yeah.
1: And they're wearing like, you know, sandals. They've got this funky hat on that makes no sense. They have one staff that probably weighs 10 pounds. You know, they're eating rice and tofu. You know, they're monks. They're living a monk lifestyle. So they're like just wasting away from like not enough calories and stuff. So. Pretty I said, rad. I didn't know there's.
0: I appreciate you telling me that because I've heard about those guys, but I didn't know there's a documentary. So oh, I'm yeah. Gonna check out.
1: So I like the idea of um, slowly, slowly moving through the world as a way to gain uh, enlightenment. That's really cool. Like um, I, my father was kind of into, he was a marathoner and an ultra marathoner. Oh, okay. And uh, he was a little bit into Sri Charni. What is that? Um, he was another kind of holy guy. Um, and his whole thing was, uh, he, had the, he has the self-transcendent race. So it's like 3,000 miles long or something, and it's it's one city block mm-hmm. that you just continually run well, run around. And like you know, if you if you do it, you you gain transcendence for I've, however. I've heard
0: about that, guys. Well, I, I yeah. recently read an article about that,
1: yeah. but I'd forgotten
0: about it. I'll, I'll I'm gonna relabel it. What's the name again? Uh, Shri Chomni. Okay, I'll put a link. Chimnoi maybe. I'll, I'll figure that. I'll put a link in. There. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that kind of transcendent <laughs> experience. What's the most powerful experience you've ever had in the outdoors? And that could be, I used to say it was the craziest yeah. experience, but I think powerful is maybe more descriptive. Yeah. Um, it could be scary, crazy, funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. And, like, I love having those memories, but I love just being in, in the moment and having it hit me and just letting it go. Yeah. Um, but I can remember, like, one of, the, one of the most amazing times on my Tour 14 14 and one of the reasons why I want to go back and kind of do something similar is um, I was up near Lake Como. Mm-hmm. And that's near uh, Blanca, Little Bear. And the road up there is horrible. It's horrible to ride a bike on. It's even hor- more horrible to try to drive a car or a modified vehicle, as you say. People don't like hiking it. But I was up there and um, there was a, a thunderstorm that was moving west to east across the San Luis Valley. And it would thunder, and I would hear the original thunder hit me, and then you'd hear the echoing from the amphitheater behind me. Sure. So it'd be like, bah, bah. and then like a couple seconds later, you go, bah, 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 you're like, that's insane! You're like this is amazing! Like this is one of the most amazing sound. Um, experiences I've ever had yeah. you know and you're just like I feel pretty safe here because I'm not going hit, to get hit by lightning but like things are happening like that's incredible and you know that next the next day you're going to get a thunderstorm too so you kind of have that back in your mind you're yeah. like okay here's a warning shot yeah, you know and if, sure enough like I did like these three peaks I did Ellingwood, Little Bear and Blanca which are they're not easy peaks and as soon as I got done I'm like I gotta go because like I can see the same thunderhead come towards me and I remember that that night I got visited by a bear, uh-huh. and it's like the notorious Lake Como bear. And I don't have a tent; I just have like a tarp. So like it's on the other side of the tarp, and I'm just like, what do I do? I'm like, just I'm like, you know, shine my light really weirdly, and like that'll that'll kill the bear, whatever. <laughs> of course, like I come back from the next day. I come back and he ate all my food and went through my stuff and like ate my wallet basically. Wow. <laughs> Spit it out, but he, he ate it. And, like, I have no food. And I can see this thunderhead coming, you know. And I'm like, I know this is going to happen. So, I have to, like, get all my stuff together and just plow down this Lake Como Road, you know, to get to town. So, just those kinds of experiences are, like, it's it's on the edge of control. But it's, like, a good edge of control, sure. you know. It's, like, when you're... I guess, like, if you ski, you know, like, you're going as fast as you think you can. Yeah. And, like, that's really fun. Or, like, you're on, like, a really great piece of single track. And you're like, oh, man, if, like, I just... Turn the wrong way, I'm off the side of this cliff. But I'm not. I'm totally in control, and I like that feeling. Yeah. So. In the flow. Um, Yeah, flow flow state for sure. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Last of the quick questions, and it's (laughs) a hard one. one. Yeah, quick. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing I do is quick, (laughs) my friend. (laughs) Um, Do you have a favorite location in the West?
1: Yeah, I think I – My favorite location is probably Longs Peak, like the East Longs Peak Trailhead. I've just spent um, tons of time there, and uh, you, you know, it's it's just an intimate place for me. It's not something that's that I only have. It's something that's shared by thousands upon thousands of visitors. So that's cool. Like you you started in the same trailhead and like I immediately go off, you know, to some strange, you know, trail that, that no one really knows about, you know. It's like the old telegraph line. They go straight up the mountain. It's like, I'm just going to take this. You know, you, you, it's the one you see the rangers take, you know, yeah. so you like, hey, Bert, how's it going? And they know you by by name by this point. They're just like, whatever. And like, you know, as soon as you're above tree line and if you're not on the main trail, like you could be in Pluto, you know, it's just, it's so crazy and just do your own real route. So that mountain is just, it's nuts. It's totally unique. From it's got an office.
0: Yeah. In everything.
1: So I never get bored of that mountain. My goodness. There's so much more to do for me to do. It's, it's just a constant uh, teacher for sure. Sure. Like if, I mean, this, again, as advice, if anyone wants to do this, like just focus on Long's long Peak and, like, it'll teach you everything you want to know for any single mountain in Colorado. Like, <laughs> I think the the funny... I, I forget who it is, but there's some mountaineers, you know, and they're on Longs Peak, and people are like, so... Or, no, no, they were uh, they were in Patagonia, I think, you know, trying, like, some crazy mountain there, and people are like, what are you doing? You know, what route are you doing? They're like, oh, we're trained for Longs Peak, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just because the weather at Longs Peak can be really horrible, just like it can be in Patagonia, so...
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think I, I think what you said is right. Any mountain you want to do in Colorado, you can train for it. on long? Yeah, whatever. Yeah.
1: The only thing uh, Longs Peak doesn't have is horrible, horribly loose talus that you can't avoid. Kind of. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of nice that things are kind of solid there.
0: Sure. Um, so, merely a student on that mountain for sure. That's a good feeling. Um, if you could make a request of the people listening to this, and I, when I say request, I mean if you want to ask them, you know, to to ride their bike more. Uh, or if you have any words of wisdom or words of advice, just something you'd like to impart to the people listening to this, who are basically people who love the American West in one way. Sure, or another. sure. What would that be?
1: Um, gosh, um, slow down. It seems like the the more west you get until you hit California, the slower life gets. So that's a good I, point. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good thing rather than a bad thing. I mean, from being from Connecticut, you know, it's it's this, it's a mentality of like, give me my latte and get me out of <laughs> get get out of my way kind of thing. Sure. So it's been nice to, you know, I live a very slow, tortoise like existence when I want to, and I I just enjoy that. So, yeah, that's great. Slow down, take take a, just look around, enjoy enjoy the moment.
0: That's, so, I don't think you can beat that. Um, so how can people follow you on the upcoming adventure?
1: Um, I have a website. Uh, just go to highesthundred.com and it'll have kind of the um, plan, what I, what I attempt to do. Um, I have a blog I'm updated for right now. It's mostly reconning. A little bit of gear selection, things like that. Um, of course, a page for all the people who are helping me, all the companies, things like that. Um once I start, there'll be a tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have a spot on me, nice. which will kind of record my position and put it on a map. And that'll, that'll be on that site as well. And then I'll be posting on things like Instagram and Facebook. So on Instagram, you can find me at Long, L-O-N-G, Ranger Justin. And uh, just look for my name, basically, on Google. Just uh, you can just google long ranger with the G and you'll find me nice and I'll you know, have big bearded guy on a bike it's, yeah, it's gotta I'll, be me I'll have links to everything sure. so people
0: can find you well good luck man I'm excited to watch it thanks yeah it's in a month That'll, it'll be pretty
1: good it's kind of crunch time I, I have all this all this like very specific gear I still have to purchase you know I was like oh what am I gonna ride <laughs> <laughs> just this details yeah <laughs> how am I getting to the same ones this time um, make it up <laughs>